Welcome to Holding Center, a podcast created to help you own and hold center stage, not only on show day, but also in your life. I'm your host, Ashley Markham, owner of Myo Strength, and joined with me is my co-host, Ashley Spoker, owner of B&B Fit. Let's hold center. Yo, Spilks, what's up? My God, I just burped um, right as we're recording, <laughs> of course. Um, not much. So um, had an exciting week. Um, I got some new training last week, um, which is cool, but I also hate anything new. So it's just been like an adjustment. Um, I think I realized like why I hate it because like for like some part of me thinks it's like going backwards because like when you're used to doing the same workouts, like you're continuously like hitting like trying to hit like PRs and like over stimulating that threshold so then like now I'm just like feel like I'm at the bottom because you got to figure out like where's your starting weight for these like you know where is that sweet spot for like I'm at two RIR right now so I'm like feel like a beginner lifter <laughs> um again but it's it's good like the first week was just like stressful um I didn't plan like enough time at the gym for those days so like that was my fault so I felt rushed um and I was like this isn't good but yesterday had a really good week or really good lift um, I actually slept for 10 hours the night before too so I'm sure like that was fucking ideal <laughs> and helped a lot and then the only other exciting things is my dogs have been wearing their pumpkin sweaters um, they have little like jack-o'-lantern faces on it um, my one dog loves his so much like we take it off and we take him on like walks and we, he goes outside so he's a pee on it but every time you put it on he gets the zoomies in the house like he's that happy to like wear his fucking sweater I'm like you need a shirt all year round but he loves it and that's pretty much it for my week I don't have anything else exciting just a really relaxing weekend coming up which I think I fucking need but what about you how's your week been not too shabby. A lot of sign-ons, which is really, really encouraging. I yeah. feel like they're just like coming out of the woodwork. Um, having some like just skin difficulties right now with my HRT. So I'm getting some labs drawn today just to figure that out, which it's always like, you know, a learning curve, a learning experience when you're going on like HRT and whatever. So just like trying to figure that out. But honestly, we're, we're moving and grooving like it's fall. So we're starting to like get all snuggly and stuff like that. Like, you know, I'm going on a Costco binge and buying a bunch of blankets that I don't need, but I want, and that's okay. Um, but yeah, we're, wow. we're good. I can't, I honestly can't complain. Dude. Like that's, I know like getting on like HRT, it's kind of like, it's a little bit of like a gamble until you get it set right and figured out. Right. So it's like that, that initial part is like so hard and can be so defeating. And like, it's at that point where you're like, oh, I know I need this. I have to do this. Like it, there's the light at the end of the tunnel, but like getting to that light at the end of the tunnel, it's like everything. It's just like falling in your path and you're like, fuck, fuck, fuck. So like once it all gets figured out, like you're going to be thank God, like, thank God. Oh, I mean, yeah, yeah, absolutely. Like, but we knew this was going to happen, right? Like whether right. it was going to be like emotional symptoms or physical manifestations, like I knew there was going to be bumps and hurdles in the road, but at the same time, I know that in for my longevity, not only in the sport of bodybuilding, but also longevity as a person, like, yeah. you know, there's no aches and pains without growth. And so I'm just, honestly, I'm excited to feel a little bit better. And if that means like dealing with like some painful acne in the meantime, as I like continue to grow, like it's a good challenge for me. Cause I'm someone that does suffer from OCD like tendencies. And so 
my OCD triggers or body manifestations. So whether it's me having uneven hips or acne, like I like to nitpick my body. So it's actually a really good challenge for me that when I want to either physically pick and pop, which you're not supposed to do, or mentally pick and pop, which you're also not supposed to do. It's a good, a good challenge for my character to be like, Hey, like you're doing the right things. Like I'm investing money in a proper skincare routine, which is something I've never done before. So I'm actually Mm -hmm doing good. Just again, it's a challenge, but you don't grow without challenges. Exactly. Right. Yeah. I'm really proud of you, especially like for having the awareness. So you're like, okay, like I know, like this is what I need. Like I'm doing all the things that are appropriate that I should be doing. And it's going to, you know, make me a better person, you know, make me feel better, make me look better. Um, and then just have like a better quality Mm -hmm. of life, which is awesome. Which is what we all want. Yep. Yep. uh, Yep. But I'm excited for this special guest. This has been a a few weeks in the making now, but we have Miss Miss Rania. I know. I love the little. I wish we had a <laughs> video because you could see like, oh, oh, the glow. But yes, we have Miss Rania here. Hello, everyone. I've definitely been on a podcast where I didn't know they were going to use the video clips, and I, when I talk, I talk with my hands a lot. I make, you know, I'm very expressive. So I'm glad there's no video. But hello, everyone. <laughs> um, I'm gonna introduce myself. Yeah, yeah, I was about to say, why don't you introduce yourself? Like, what is it that you do? Um, also, like, talk about, like, bodybuilding as well, because you're not just, like, an amazing, like, sports psychologist, which is what we're going to get into today, but you're also a really good bodybuilder. So, like, I would love to just tell the people who you are, and let's roll with it. Cool. Well, my name's Rania. Um, I am the head coach of Bulletproof Minds, which is the first and currently the only sports psychology coaching platform for the bodybuilding industry, um, which is really dope. We launched that in March um, and it is what, October, October now. And I have my next two assistant coaches um, picked out. Um, So that's pretty cool. That's what I've been busy doing. Um, I also am a bodybuilder. Um, I have been an athlete my entire life, soccer player turned marathon runner turned bodybuilder. And yeah, I've been bodybuilding for five years now. Um, And basically, as soon as I started bodybuilding and got very invested, um, my passion has always been bridging the gap between mental health and athletes um, and sports. And I saw the widest gap within the bodybuilding industry, which in my personal opinion is the industry that mental health support is needed the most out of mm-hmm. all sports. Um, I think it even trumps gymnastics. I think it trumps cheer. I think it trumps team sports um, just because of everything that bodybuilding encompasses. Um, so yeah, we launched Bulletproof Minds and I have a massive roster and it has been a really cool last seven months. So I have a question since this is like the first, right? Mm-hmm. What is it exactly that you do? And also- what are, what is your hope in doing this, knowing that you are in a big leadership role as like the first like team to ever do oh. something like this? Yeah. It's actually really funny. Like Mark has to keep reminding me that like, I am a pioneer of something. Um, mm-hmm. because truthfully to me, this work, uh, it's my calling, honestly, mm-hmm. like, I don't feel like it's work. Um, obviously I work like the majority of <laughs> my weeks, but to me, it's just, it was a no brainer. Um, so what it is that I do, um, and what my mission is essentially is 
first and foremost, to heal the entire industry. Um, bodybuilding gets a really bad rap. Bodybuilding gets blamed for a lot of, if you want to call them issues, people go through. Um, but truthfully, at the crux of it, yes, we're athletes, but we're humans and all of us have a past, right? We all have a reason or a why that we ended up in bodybuilding. Um, and we are such a unique, special breed of humans, but bodybuilding, like not being for the faint hearted, like every bodybuilder has some dark in them. Right. And they have that, whether it's fueling them as an athlete or whether that gets exposed within them, within the sport, um, bodybuilding it forces you to confront yourself and your trauma and all your fears and all your doubts, limiting beliefs, um, the history of who you are essentially, because if you think about it, like it takes discipline, um, it's centered, like it's a lifestyle. So it covers everything, training, discipline, food, recovery, um, stress management, like it's a physique sport. So everything you think, everything you do, all, everything, thoughts, mm-hmm. emotions, actions, lifestyle, environment, that all plays a role into how successful you'll be or unsuccessful you'll be. Um, so my hope is that we can elevate the industry as a whole, um, teach coaches how to be better coaches, help athletes understand themselves better so that they know how to better apply themselves to the sport, have athletes learn about themselves and increase self-awareness so that they can heal from everything that they need to essentially like I'm healing athletes and the industry. Um, that was a question, right? (laughs) Yeah, no, you nailed it. No, I think that's really good because again, like not only you touched on something really important, not only are you obviously wanting to help athletes, but you're also wanting to help coaches, right? Because, you know, you have to remind yourself that like, you're only one person, even though you're going to have assistant coaches under you. But like, if you take on coaches and understand like how to educate other people that also have teams under them, you are creating that important ripple effect where you're helping like coaches that maybe struggle with, you know, understanding athlete psychology. Well, you're helping to bridge that gap. So that way we have even better athletes, right? Because the most like mentally screwed up athletes, like it's not that they want to be screwed up. Like we don't want to be broken, right? We don't want to be mentally screwed up. But when we have someone that like helps us to see the greater picture and not just like a single focus point, that's where we become better athletes, better people, better wives, better better daughters, better everything. Yeah. Mm -hmm. And, um, you can only run away from yourself for so long. So like the analogy I give, cause if you think about it, a lot of people, a lot of athletes, bodybuilders specifically think that they are like healing themselves when they go to the gym and they like train it out. Right. Sure. Training and like the gym is a very helpful tool to provide like emotional release, to provide stability, to provide like routine to have a area in your life where you're measuring progress and improvement. Um, but sure, you might have an angry lift or a sad lift. You might push yourself like beyond failure, even thinking that that's helping you manage your emotions, but you're not actually dealing with the emotions. Mm -hmm. Um, and like, that's going to be a big lead into like talking about eating disorders too. But yeah, we, um, with the coaches, like I, tandem coach. So essentially I have all my athletes, regardless of which team they're on or who their coach is, um, 
I do leave it up to the athlete for the most part, unless it's like a very, very, like, I need to talk to your coach situation. Um, but I work with both the athlete and their coach so that I'm able to kind of help if I see that there needs to be a change in protocol, um, whether the athlete feels comfortable sharing their like mental health with their coach or whether they don't, I try and I'm like the owl between the two. Like I'm trying to bridge the gap between athlete and coach. Um, and of course <laughs> I'm realizing like there are some coaches in the industry who shouldn't be coaches, right? Because they don't give a damn about their athletes' mental health. Um, but I'm also realizing that there are many coaches who are really trying to be the positive influence within the industry um, because the industry as a whole has like transformed and evolved so much over the course of time um, that now with it being like the 21st century and with it having been just in the last like probably two, three, four years, um, sports psychology has really exploded. But I think because bodybuilding is seen at such a different level than other sports, like bodybuilders don't go to the Olympics, like we have the Olympia, right? But everything in the Olympics has sports psychology, like tailored to it. We don't. Um, so yeah. So yeah, one thing I'm just going to let everyone know just kind of before we get into like our main topic of the podcast so I have been a client of Rania's since April so pretty much since Bulletproof launched actually like I think I was a few weeks after she she started um I signed on still currently M1 um and when she talks about bridging that gap so one of the issues that I personally struggled with was like communicating like with my coach um so and not saying that there's like a lot of bad coaches but it comes down to like hey like some of these coaches like just don't know or understand and it's not that they don't understand like mental health as a whole. They just don't understand it individually for each athlete. So like for me, like Ryan needed to bridge that gap between me and my coach because like I couldn't do it and I didn't know how to state it without, you know, in my mind, like sounding weak or like I need this or, you know, like what it came down to. So like she was able to like bridge the gap between me and my coach, Mark. And now like me and Mark have like very effective communication. There is nothing that like, I can't tell him when before, like all my check-ins were, yep, good, fine. Like I'll just follow it. And like, that was causing a lot of like stress on, on my issues or on my end. And it came down to like previous childhood trauma with authoritative figures. So like, this is what I just want to explain to you guys that like bodybuilding, it wasn't like, oh, like your coach is like out to get you. It was like, no, my, this relationship and this issue that I currently was dealing with started with way before. And that's kind of like what Rania dives deep into. Like, okay, we have to fix that because like, if you can't fix that, that deeper inner issue that you have, then like you can't be successful in bodybuilding because like that lack of communication was holding me back from becoming better. And then like within a month, like we healed my Hashimoto's, like my body comp has changed. Like I have been doing phenomenally well. Um, You're a different person. Yeah, completely in a matter of, you know, six and a half months. And, you know, me and Rania get on 30 minute calls every single week. Um, there's homework to do. There's communication that I have access to her throughout the week when there's like real life issues that I'm struggling with. So that's kind of like how she works in this industry. Like it's very hands-on as well. Um, Cause I'm sure some people may have a question like, oh, like what do you actually do? It's like, 
it, it essentially, it's like therapy. You, you sign up for your time, you get on um, a Google meet for 30 minutes, you talk about what's going on. She'll send you over homework, um, but you actually have to do the work as like the athlete too. So like, for me, it's like, okay, like Rania will bridge that gap. And it's like, Hey, I'm going to tell Mark that like, you have something to tell him, but I'm not going to tell him everything that you need to tell him. Like you need to be the one to do it. So it's not like she's enabling that, like, Oh, like whatever, you know, Oh, you know, this week was like too hard. Rania's going to go tell your coach and you're going to have an out. Like, no, like you have to build that or whatever it may be. You know, another issue that I struggled with, which is what our topic was, was at some point that I started like overeating and having like little mini like binge episodes, um, while I was like still in a health phase, um, actually. Um, and that was something that we had to work through. Um, but that is going to be one of our biggest topics right now is, you know, um, because it is very common in bodybuilding is, is eating disorders. And, you know, people will say that, um, bodybuilding causes them, um, you know, but essentially that's not, always true. So we're going to have Rania dive into like, you know, what are, you know, the most common eating disorders in bodybuilding? Um, well, I'm sure y'all can guess, but, um, before I do that, so like the biggest thing is for anyone in life is to remember that everything you've ever experienced in life doesn't go away. So like, if you are someone who has experienced childhood trauma, or you are someone who might not even recognize that it was trauma, but it was just certain ways you were raised, certain uh, experiences you were involved in, um, even things that you saw growing up, everything has a role in shaping you um, and shaping your subconscious, right? So your subconscious, because this is huge, um, is what essentially like, unless you get control over your subconscious, that's driving all your behaviors. That's driving the majority of your thoughts. It's driving the majority of the way you view the world. Um, and within our subconscious is like our inner child and our inner critic. Um, and with anyone who's experienced some type of trauma, it gets stored in there until it's faced. And that's why like most, but I said this yesterday on my story, but like most humans in life are like, their inner child, but just in adult bodies, right? So um, it's important to recognize that when people have certain like self-sabotage tendencies, which is a big thing for eating disorders or um, certain all or nothing mentality or perfectionism, or um, they lash out or they isolate and withdraw, whatever their actions are. Um, yes, it's happening in the present, but there's always a root cause. So like my job, is basically to connect all the dots and like increase athlete self-awareness so they understand why they are the way they are. Because until they do that, it's hard to create positive change and healing, um, which is for eating disorders. That's why bodybuilding gets such a bad rap because of course, physique athletes, like we spend 24 seven um, every choice, every decision we make, every, I mean, our sleep, our training, our meal prep, our body, or what's it called? Body work, our posing, our, I don't know, supplements, right? Like we build our life based around our physique, um, whether we're in a growth phase, whether we're in a holding phase, a health phase prep, um, it's year round. Um, and of course, your nutrition and your food is a 
I mean, without that, you're not bodybuilding, you know? Um, and that is, of course, when you're in prep, it's restrictive. When you are growing, not restrictive, you're still eating a very specific amount, but um, food is food. And that's the thing. Food is just food. It's the athlete's emotional tie to food or tie to their body and their physique and the worth that they place in their physique, or it has nothing really to even do with food or their physique. It has to do with themselves and their trauma and their emotions. And food is just the coping tool, essentially. So everyone comes into the industry with some type of baggage that gets exposed. And for some athletes, it gets exposed in the form of like disordered eating, food focus, negative relationship with food, or like a full-blown eating disorder. And then they'll be like, ah, shit, I need to quit bodybuilding. Or they'll go to like a eating disorder treatment center or a normal therapist who doesn't know bodybuilding and the body or the, whoever they go to will be like, well, you should quit that sport without taking the time to actually understand. No, the sport didn't create this. Like it exposed something which led to this, which is harming yourself and your pathway as an athlete. But the sport is just, the sport is a, uh, what's the word? Neutral sports, neutral, right? It's how each athlete handles aspects of the sport that expose the eating disorder. So um, truthfully, I don't see a lot of like anorexia at all within bodybuilding um, because like prep is the restrictive, right? Part of bodybuilding. Um, and that is obviously like tailored to show day, tailored to competing. Um, where any type of additional restricting would happen would be if an athlete is super tied to their shreds and it's mm -hmm. time to reverse and it's time to grow, if there is a emotional attachment to being shredded, to being lean, that's where you find that they might continue restricting themselves and like trying to have themselves stay lean beyond the time that they should be. Um, but anorexia is like very rare within bodybuilding. Um, however, a lot of like, even myself personally, like, I was anorexic years prior to bodybuilding. Um, and that's why I can say bodybuilding like can be healing. Cause like all my eating disorders were, I was both anorexic and bulimic, um, were before bodybuilding and utilizing the structure bodybuilding gives me with food mm -hmm. and understanding that food is just food and food is my fuel and food doesn't have a, emotional anything other than what I put on it, like helps me heal so much. Um, so it's all about kind of like each athlete's viewpoint. But of course, right now, uh, we're like towards the end of the 2020, 2023 season. Um, and in reversing, I mm -hmm. see that's uh, not for everybody, but binging is like very, very prevalent. That's the biggest one within the industry. Um, in prep, I would say it's rare you'll find an athlete who binges in prep um, because obviously you have a very concrete thing that you are working towards. And like, as you get, like, it's exciting. I think more exciting for athletes to go through prep than it is to grow um, right. or to reverse. Reversing is literally, it is the hardest component to bodybuilding. Um, and I think more emphasis, like, has been placed on that recently. Um, yeah, in prep, it would be more so food focus comes out a lot, I would say, um, which 
isn't just a mental thing. It's like, or a psychological thing. A lot of times it is like a physical thing um, because we are pushing ourselves past like the point to which the body thinks we are like, we're pushing ourselves past our survival like mechanism, right. As a human being, like we've evolved to like our body knows when we're starving ourselves. Right. Mm -hmm. And it's going to try and be like, Hey, hello, hello. Like, yeah, that's where like hormones get, yeah, like stimulated. So when hormonal changes happen, which is inevitable in prep, um, like that's where, I mean, the majority of things will be like dopamine decreases, serotonin decreases, right? Hunger signaling is you have to literally ignore your hunger, hunger signaling, hunger cues. So like when you're hungry and prep, like, no, you can't just go eat more food off plan, right? Like, so we're basically going against our bodies, like evolutionary survival. Um, but really, yeah, it's not so much in prep. Um, that's when we see the flip is like with the binging is because when you come out of prep and you're eating more and those hunger hormones and the dopamine and serotonin are, you know, like still lower, but when you eat more, your body will tell yourself like, Oh my God, this is such a good feeling. Like we need to continue to do this. So like that is like the hormonal component of it, but also there is still like the huge psychological oh, the biggest thing is psychological. Yeah. So right. like hormonally can be, if, if a person entering the sport has done their due diligence of like already healing their relationship with food, already releasing emotional attachment um, to food, then yeah, they'll still like get exposed in some other way. Like I'm a great example of that, but they won't have issues with food. So like, like literally (laughs) the joke is for me, like I will literally be in the middle of eating a meal and like forget I have something to do like ADHD, I'll squirrel task and like leave my meal and then come back and be like, oh shit, I forgot to finish my food. Like that's, it's just like a thing I do like when I need to be that diligent, right? Yes. I'm also a cookie monster. Like everyone knows me as a cookie monster, but the emotional attachment to it is so not there. When I get to eat the cookies, great. I love it. But as soon as I have to flip a switch, I'm like, okay, cool. I'll see y'all later. You know, mm-hmm. like it's not a, oh my God, this is the only good thing in my day, which is the thing for binging too. And I'll dive into like that a lot, but um, food, especially sugary food, especially like fatty foods, they give you like an immediate dopamine boost. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. Um, and sugar is addictive. So, um, with, I guess you want me to dive into binging or like why why eating talk about, I mean, yeah, we can talk about, um, yeah, like the binging aspect of it, maybe like why it's happening to bodybuilders like post-show and definitely like, you know, talk about like how it's like a self-sabotaging, you know, tendency. Yeah. Um, Yeah. It it is the mental health aspect of it. Um, so with binging, I mean, there's a variety of each athlete is different. So when an athlete like inquires with me and they are mentioning that, yes, they're binging. Um, the biggest thing to like make note of about binging too, is like, it's different from just overeating, like overeating is still going off plan, right? Whether it's a meal plan or your macros, it's eating more than the specific amount, but it is fully in control. Like you're more consciously aware you are overeating and there's a very prevalent stopping point, right? Um, Binging, on the other hand, uh, 
to qualify binging as like a disorder, as opposed to just like disordered eating, um, there has to be, typically I will explain like, for me, it's different with each athlete, right? If it's a really bad binge and it happens two or three times, then I classify like, yeah, we got, we have a binging problem, right? (laughs) For some athletes, it's like so spread out that I pay attention to the cues, but it might be like two times spread out, but like massive. And I found the issue right away. Um, so binging is an out of control situation. It is literally the way that most people will describe a binge, um, whether it's like a conscious thing or not. So like, for example, I used to be bulimic. I would be very conscious of how much I was taking in, but the end goal was to like puke it up. Right. So like I needed to get enough in there to puke it up. But again, it was a way I didn't face emotions. Mm -hmm. Um, And it was a way I was showing myself like self-hate, you know, Um, but I still wanted that dopamine hit. And then I would get rid of it out of like guilt and shame. Um, Most athletes, though, with binging, they explain it as like it gets to a point where it's like they're in a trance and nothing that they do can stop them from the binge, because what happens is um, the habit loop essentially. So we have like a cue or a trigger, then we have a craving, then we have the routine, which is the the habit. And then we have a reward. So this is what I ask athletes to do is like leading up to the moment of their binge. Cause when they come to me and they're like, yeah, I've been binging every week. I'm like, okay, great. Well, like, let's break it down first. Like the very first binge I'll ask. I'm like the very first time you allowed yourself to listen to your brain and binge, like what was happening in your life. And like, they'll think back through it. Some athletes literally is just about food. They fucking love food. They love cookies. They love everything that they didn't get to eat in prep, depending on how long and intense their prep was. Um, Duh, cookies sound good. Duh, pizza sounds good. Like, especially if you get to like post-show eat a meal, like, you're already kind of like getting a taste of what you haven't had for so long that it can just continue. So this would be where it's really important for the coach to educate each athlete about the dangers of like doing that. The week post show. Right. Um, but yeah, I'll ask an athlete what was happening that caused them to binge. And I would say the majority of the time it is due to like a very challenging emotional situation to where facing those emotions seems impossible. They don't know how to do that. They don't want to do that. They're super, super stressed. Um, They're feeling a lot of like lack of self-worth per se. Um, But essentially what they're seeking is dopamine, right? That is what it's going to provide the binge. Um, So they have a cue or a trigger. Once I identify, we end up identifying that, but the craving is I don't want to feel this way anymore or I want to escape this, or I want to feel better, but I don't actually want to do something productive for myself. And also food is an easy accessible tool to like immediate relief. Mm-hmm. Um, and then they'll binge, which is the routine. And then the reward is their brain. Like they get that immediate massive dopamine boost. Mm-hmm. And then, well, the, 
the shitty part about binging then is then that's followed usually by like guilt and shame, but then they don't want to deal with the guilt and the shame that they probably still feel. So then what do they do? Because they have that guilt, shame emotion they don't want to face. So they're like, I want to feel better. Oh, there I go. Binge again. Oh, dopamine. Ah, but I feel like shit now. I hate myself for this. Mm -hmm. Oh, don't want to feel that. And then it's just a cycle. Mm -hmm. And our brain is extremely habitual, right? So um, to create, like every time we do the same habit, it's, um, I don't know if y'all are familiar with like neuroplasticity, but like essentially, even when we think thoughts, feel emotions, um, we create patterns Mm -hmm. because of how, when we do the same thing over and over, it's firing the same neuron neural pathway over and over and over and over again to the point to where it's just like that cure trigger happens. The brain's like, Oh, time to binge there's not even like a second guess. And that's where it becomes like this addictive trance, like behavior to where they're like, I feel out of control. Like, I don't even feel like it's me doing it. And they can't stop themselves because they, their brain has taken over like their subconscious mind. Um, and their brain is running the show versus them running the show. Um, because I'll explain like, you are not your brain. Mm-hmm. You can't control your brain, but when it gets to a certain point, um, And of course, the more frequently you do binge, the more ingrained in your behavior it becomes. Um, And then all of a sudden you like, they don't realize it's been like a binge every other day, you know? Yeah. Yeah. I know when I suffered with my binge eating disorder coming out of anorexia and it honestly lasted a lot longer than most. Cause normally if you're like balls deep in anorexia, like I was, usually you have kind of like a compensatory, uh, compensatory mechanism to kind of like have a binge eating disorder three to four months afterward to kind of like regain the body fat. Mm -hmm. Um, but mine lasted over a year, right? Because it went to really, really big restriction to where I essentially had binge so much that it became habitual. So like you were saying, neuroplasticity, it became habitual. And then my, my purge is I, I, vomiting is traumatic for me. I cannot throw up. I hate it. It's like, no, even if I wanted to no. but mm-hmm. what is easy for me to do? Get 30,000 steps a day. Um, oh, I'm a triathlete now. Thank oh, I, yeah, yeah, exactly. Right. I'm in the gym twice a day, seven days a week doing cardio, weightlifting, whatever. Right. So it's really easy for me to, to use those calories, i.e. punish myself with more exercise, which endorphins well, make me happy, but at the same time, like it, and it, it, it feels like you're punishing yourself, but really what you're doing is you're reinforcing the binging, mm-hmm, right? Like, exactly. because you're basically trying to undo it, which is like, that's the same with purging, right? Like yep. it's all about getting the dopamine release, but then it's, you don't want to like actually have the, the, physical effects of the binge take over. So then you want to puke it back mm-hmm. up. Right. I, there's a few times I remember, um, back in college, I, I like couldn't puke it back up. Like people were there or like something. And I would panic because I was like, well, that backfired on me, you know? Um, but yeah, when like there are any type of, cause that becomes a cycle too, like for binging, binging, and then either puking or, adding way more cardio than needed or like tripling your steps or mm-hmm. adding, I mean, like more fat. Burner, right? I mean, like, not only like the physical component of it. Cause you're like, Oh man, like, I don't want to get fat. I don't want to, you know, mess all this up. But like, do you think part of it too, though, is like you, I know, like for me, probably like when I used to like throw up, it was like, 
I felt so guilty and so bad. Like I had a lot of shame and I thought like doing oh, yeah. those things would like reverse it and not make me feel good. But like it went, you know, it'd be like, oh, okay. Like it, like it never happened. Like I was trying to like cross it out. Like, oh, I binged all this. I'm gonna throw it back up. So then I won't still have like those feelings and it'll be evened out or, you know, Ash will be like, oh, I, I walked all these steps. Like now it's even now, like the playing field is, is, mm-hmm. you know, equal it's neutral. It never happened. It canceled each other out. And now I can go on um, living my day. Like it never fucking happened. But then we get into that, that habit loop again. Right. So like, yep. and the think, biggest thing too, Oh, keep going. Sorry. No, I was just gonna say, do you think like you see a lot of athletes that have like that? The reason they, they continue to do that though, is because of those like emotional response with like the feeling of like guilt and shame and like remorse of like the actions that they did essentially. Oh yeah. hundred percent. Right. Like, because, um, like uh, how, I don't know which direction to take this, but like, think of it. If you love yourself, if you truly love yourself, if you are in a place where even if you've done, um, you might've messed up before, or even if like the childhood trauma that you've endured has like created that lack of self-worth and that shame and that feelings of inadequacy or, um, the need to control or codependency with food or, um, all or nothing mentality. That's a big one that leads to binging actually too, because it's like, if an athlete comes with all or nothing and they like eat one macro or like, I don't know, something off plan, like where it could have just been a simple, like overeating tiny little solution. They feel so guilty because they think it's black and white and one thing over or like one bite of a cookie leads to the whole box of cookies because of that all or nothing. I fuck it. I already ate one bite of a cookie. I might as well just say I fuck it and do it. I think that's really common. That's like, it is. is. And, um, Oh, you can go. No, I was just like, I used to like thinking back, like feel, that same way because it would be like oh fuck like I already messed up like might as well just fuck it and start over tomorrow yep and that is like um huge within the industry in general like but again all of we don't have these these types of mentalities um just because we're born with them no one is born with the need to like be perfect or like have shame or guilt or lack of self-worth or um, all or nothing mentality, right? Like that is uh, nature versus nurture, right? So genetics play a role um, and then how we are raised. So everything we know once we like leave our parents' house is from whoever raised us, right? Like they're the ones shaping the adults we become. And so much of like, eating disorders is basically a very, very wounded inner child, or say there was no childhood trauma. Um, it can be due to, uh, still seeking external validation through your physique or through the sport. And then something happens and you don't know what to do and you're seeking control. And then you want to feel better. Like there's so many different ways that it can like origin points and root causes. Um, but food is known, I mean, like substance abuse. So alcohol, obviously like becoming a drug addict, alcoholism, um, self-harm, any type of like, those are all forms of self-harm, right? And it's all a way to escape your emotions. Um, And within bodybuilding, like, I mean, 
it's rare you find an alcoholic within bodybuilding. You might find a recovering alcoholic, mm-hmm. um, but the majority of issues is like they they want to be in the sport enough to not go down a darker path for the most part, unless like they come into the sport very dark, then oftentimes you won't even see them turn to food. Like they'll take a whole other way to try and emotionally cope. Um, but it all is exactly what you said. Um, and feelings of guilt and shame already pre-exist the, the disordered eating or eating disorder. Um, because if you loved yourself and had compassion for yourself and like could show yourself grace, um, which is something that if you weren't taught how to do that by your parents, most likely you have no idea how to do that or like what love is even like, what forgiveness or grace or compassion even is. So like, it's not your fault if you don't know how to love yourself, but it is your job to learn how. And you'll find like, that's the difference between an athlete who comes into the sport who doesn't have any issues with food, right? Because they have learned either beforehand how to manage. Um, if they like say they have like me, I already like dealt with my eating disorder prior to coming into the sport. So like, which I mean, I can even like tell my little story of what happened. Um, and the thing about eating disorders too, like you're always going to be in recovery, but when you really believe in yourself and love yourself and like are very in tune with the way your brain thinks subconsciously and acts subconsciously and what your triggers are, you already can basically know when you're going to get triggered and already have like a plan in place. Right. So like after North Americans, um, like my only, my first trigger was, and mine also stemmed from like the way I was raised. Most of it did, but when I decided to like take it out, it was, uh, shattering my leg. So like I've had nine surgeries on my right leg, um, and my legs messed up again. So I didn't recognize. And I like, kind of like, wasn't paying attention. I was like week one of my reverse. And I had this, like, I could barely walk. My knee was a balloon. My ankle didn't even look like an ankle. And Mm -hmm that, that was going to come eventually. Like I knew this was coming like one day, but like all of a sudden, like, that's the one thing that emotionally, like I still, one of the things that like, I still feel a lot of like pain around like emotional pain, psychological pain. Um, when your body, when your head and your heart wants to do something and your body is literally like, Nope, sorry, (laughs) can't that's a trigger for me because I'm stubborn and I don't want to listen to my body. And I had this like massive urge of like, I need dopamine. And I remember I went and like opened my freezer where all my cookies are. And I stared and I was like, my, the little guy, my my subconscious brain was Mm -hmm. like, just do it. Just do it. It's fine. You barely even ate like post-show just like go for it. And I grabbed one and literally it was like, it was trance-like it is because that my trigger is my leg. And immediately I was like, nope, threw the cookie back in the freezer. But I had to sit with that all day. Like I literally sat and stared at the freezer. Like I pulled my, my chair up to the freezer and just sat and stared at them. And I was like, you're better than this. You're stronger than this. What is that going to do for you? You'll feel better. Sure. But like, also you promised you'd do a review. And also like, 
that's not going to make you feel better. It's not going to take away the fact that your leg is hurting and the fact that your leg is swollen and the fact that maybe it's time for you to, you know, like maybe this is it. And I was like, yeah, you, but I had to like, if I hadn't already talked myself through this and if I didn't have the skills, like I basically like bulletproof coached myself through that. Right. And I was like, and then what I did, it was also hard because normally what I do, my replacement is like going out, the replacement habit will be like going outside, running with the dogs, taking the dog for a walk to get my dopamine. Um, but I couldn't really walk either. So like my replacement habit was gone and I was sitting there like, okay, great. What can I do though? Mm-hmm. So I had to like on the fly, come up with something else. Um, and in the moment, like did another deeper aspect of rewiring my brain in a positive way, because I like sat through that, let the urge come and didn't succumb to it. And it left, right. That's how it happens. But no one is like immune to it, but it is not the sports fault. Mm -hmm. So we talked on like, obviously the like what goes into like triggers, um, restriction, rigidity and stuff like that. But obviously a big thing that bodybuilders like to do, since this is like a food focused sport to some regards with nutrition, in your opinion, what does the influence of watching like calorie challenges, mukbangs, or however the fuck you pronounce it, like, how does that play into like these binge like behaviors? Does it take away? Does it add? Like, what are your thoughts on stuff like that? Or even like reels on Instagram, probably yeah. too. Mm-hmm. Um, so I would say like that doing that for the most part is a prep thing, mm-hmm. I would guess. Right. Um, it depends on how emotionally attached to the idea of actually, like, if they're getting dopamine from watching it, um, I don't recommend that, but it's the, they're trying to essentially like fill that void or fill that gap um, in lacking the food, right? So I haven't really seen a correlation or personally, I haven't worked with an athlete who like has a, big history of watching those that then one day they're like, I want to do that. I'm going to go do that. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, personally, I never, I've never like watched any things like that. The only thing I do watch is like cookie decorating. Cause I'm so fascinated with like how they can do that shit with the, their fucking little pipette thing. But like, I don't know if it's as common now, but I think like, cause uh, that's more of a food focus issue. Um, and it's very rare like even myself like it's very I I will stock cookies all day at points in prep but like without the emotional connection to it like I just I love watching people come up with really crazy cookie concoctions like it's cool to me and but I'm watching them and I'm not it's not like I have a specific it's not like oh my god I'm so hungry I would die for a cookie let me watch cookie videos Mm -hmm. right it's it's on my feed. I'm like, that's cool. But mm-hmm. I don't have the intention of acting on anything, right? I'm not, um, the way I view food and prep or the way I view hunger or the way I view restriction is that it's my choice and it's like a privilege, mm-hmm. you know? So I'm not feeling deprived at all. Yeah, I get hungry, but it's like an honor to do it, right? Like it is something that, like is respectable and it's not, it's 
propelling me forward to my goal. So I'm attached to the goal and the, and the process of getting to the goal. So I don't view it as restricting. Mm-hmm. Yeah. I mean, I'll fully admit that I actually like watching those videos in the same way that I like watching people like decorate cakes or you know, decorating cupcakes and stuff like that, because that makes me happy for me. It's less about the food and what I find to be fascinating about watching like calorie challenges or, you know, competitive eating is actually like something that like, I don't know how people do that for me though. It is the, it is the, the, the nuance of an extreme sport, right? It's an extreme sport, much like bodybuilding. So for me, I actually view them as athletes in a way, because you do have to train for it. You do have strategies, you do have tactics. And so for me, it's like, always interesting to watch these people like do these insane food challenges. And yeah, I definitely do watch them more when I'm in dieting phases because there is that food focus component. But for me, it's literally just fascinating. I'm like, because the ones that I watch, they're also into like health and fitness to some regard because they're not fat, right? Like they, they go work out, they train. And so I just find that so fascinating. So I'll just watch it like literally like a docu-series, like being like, oh my God, look at them eat like a, essentially a horse and be fine. That's fucking uh, first. I'm so shocked that that's like even like a, a thing for you. I did not know that at all. Dude, Gosh, I love it. It's so interesting because these like, like literally these tiny little people eating like, you know, like I said, like a horse sized meal and they're just like, yeah, do it again next week. See you then. I'm like, okay. I guess that makes sense. I'm sitting here thinking like you sit down, you're like, all right, like hot dog eating contest. And like, no, 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 no. Food know. challenges, right? <laughs> food know. challenges specifically, not like hot dog <laughs> eating contests and not like mukbangs. Like I don't do the fucking avocado asshole. Like I don't do that. But like Eric, the electric's really interesting, but he's a triathlete. Right. And he also has videos educating people on nutrition, calories, like exercise and stuff like that. So as a coach, I can respect that you know, he just doesn't eat like an asshole every single day because he would be overweight and really unhealthy. But like, he also has an insane stomach capacity where like, he is very successful at food challenges. So for me, since it's another extreme sport, it's just like fascinating. But I feel oh. like, so like if in that regard, then I feel like you're like the thing about anything that can be a trigger, right? It depends so I could go and list a, a variety of triggers, but it is not a one size fits all, right? So like mm-hmm. for you watching that, you're viewing it as entertainment and already mm-hmm. placing it in like, this is an extreme sport category. Yeah. So the um, intention behind it is like, wow, I'm watching an extreme sport, not wow, I'm fetishly gawking at all that right. food going in that person's body, you know? Mm-hmm. Um Versus for another person, it might be about the food and they can't act on wanting to eat more. So they watch it, right? Living through somebody else, essentially. Yeah. (laughs) Yep. Like, I mean, and in that way too, like even the strongest athletes, there are some athletes, food is literally, they eat to live, not live to eat, right? They eat to live. But when you're hungry, and your calories are low and you're depleted, like something more sounds nice. Right. But the, that's coming from more like the hormonal place and just like the overarching theme of like, fuck, I'm hungry, you know, as opposed to I miss my food, like, you know, so the emotional attachment to food too. And I will say this, this is another uh, big thing is um, like how you were raised around food. Uh, so like if 
your uh, family, like food is the love language in society. Every let's go on a date, let's go to dinner, let's go have this massive meal, right? Everything is centered around food for so many people. Like that's why bodybuilders get looked at as psycho because we bring Tupperwares to restaurants, you know? Um, and the emotional tie to food stems differently from each athlete, but from something like a long time ago. So even I know like it, when I used to binge, I wasn't really allowed to eat like cookies and like, uh, sugary cereals and like Jif peanut butter as a kid. Um, so when I got the opportunity to be like out of the house, cause when I was uh, in high school in my house, I was anorexic. And that was also a form of control. Cause I'd felt like I'd lost all control over everything. Um, and I was also very depressed and very sad. And the thought of eating just was like nasty. Like that's when I'm, some people like seek out food in times of distress and turmoil and discomfort, some people have food aversion during that time, like they lose their appetite. So already that's a distinction between a, a one athlete from another, maybe. Um, but I w- got out of the house. And when it was in college, that's when I turned to binging instead of like anorexia, because I had the availability of the foods I never got to have, you know, mm-hmm. So it was like that scarcity mindset too of like, oh my God, I've never had this. I should eat this right now because like, I don't know when I'm going to get it again. That's a big thing too, scarcity mindset around food. Um, So that's what can lead to if they're around a food that they don't know if like, I don't know if I'm going to be able to have this again, like anytime soon. So then they binge on it instead of just having a bite, right? Um, uh, I don't know where I was going with that. I was on a tangent. Um, I had a whole point to make. Oh, um, uh, I do this a lot. All right. We're here for it. What was I saying? Oh yeah. Just that, um, it all, I don't remember how I started this. Oh, the intention, the intention and where the emotional attachment to food starts. Um, so like, for anyone listening, like if you think about how you grew up or for y'all, if you think about how you grew up and the emphasis that was placed around food um, and the way that you watched your parents eat and the way that you were, how food was used in your life in the past, like you can already kind of have an idea if like for you might be like at risk or at risk for getting exposed. Right. Um, so like prep could be considered scarcity, right? The parallels are there. Um, so if you're like triggered by scarcity, then you might have an inclination in starting into your reverse that you want to go ham, right? Because you've experienced scarcity as a child, you experience scarcity sort of not to view prep as scarcity, but that the connection of less food, not a lot of food is there. And then you might want to basically overdo it in your reverse, right? And that's not a conscious thought per se. That's going to be a trigger that's triggering your subconscious like fear of scarcity. Um, If you are, I mean, for the most part, if we're talking about any of it, it's it's, if you lack self-awareness and if you're not comfortable with emotions that aren't pleasant, 
Um, you don't know what to do with them. You don't like how they feel. You don't even know how to experience them. Really. You just know that they suck. Um, and you want out of that, right. Then binging is going to be something, or it doesn't even have to be binging, but seeking out comfort is going to be something you do. Seeking a way to cope is going to be something that you do. And if there's any like type of attachment towards food, then likely you're going to turn to food, right? Um, it really just depends on, I mean, there's so many, so many different like origin points of this and each athlete is so different. Um, but the way that, and even in how I help treat each athlete is very different too. Um, a lot of it is both like subconscious rewiring, um, like a lot of like cognitive behavioral therapy and like that style. Um, a lot of it is truly just bringing awareness to the fact that their subconscious is separate from them. Right. Mm -hmm. So I say this all the time. I'll be like, I'll have them name their subconscious. Cause that little voice that's like, do it, do it, do it. Like that is your subconscious brain. And it's speaking from a place of an unhealed past, right? Speaking from a place of beliefs and values and um, wanting to avoid whatever stored in there. You don't have to listen to it as like tempting as it sounds, right? Like, and, but if an athlete doesn't have love or respect or trust in themselves, um, they won't believe that they can overcome that voice, right? Um, I, one, one of my athletes, she like, it finally registered that that voice, it sounds like her, but it's not her. And she like voice messaged me. She's like, I feel crazy. I have like, I'm talking to myself right now. I'm sitting on the couch, like with an urge to go and just binge. And it's been like three weeks since I have, like I'm on a roll here, but I'm like, but it's like, not me. You're right. It's not me. I don't have to listen to it. And like, she was just walking me through because I also am available. That's why I have WhatsApp support because, um, the longer you've binged or the, the number of times you've binged, every time you complete any type of food related behavior or any type of emotional avoidance, it's going to be that much harder to switch out of it, right. To work your way out of it. So like I'm available in the moment too for, um, and like with my rot with the part of my roster that we are working through, binging. I don't have any other eating disorder at the moment. Um, but like it's, you rewire your brain at the point of the trigger. So it's not after it's not before, and you're not going through life anticipating triggers. Like sometimes you don't know when it's going to hit you. So that's why I'll be available for them to reach out when they have the urge or even like, Hey, like I am having a day, my emotions suck. Like I'm having a really like low day. So I'm nervous that it might happen. And like, we'll already take, cause as the more times you can be triggered and not do the same thing. Um, that's what like rewiring is. Mm -hmm. Um, but also then at the same time, I try and explain to them, it's really not, it's not about the food. Like it's not, it's about you and your emotions and the way you view yourself and everything that is 
stored in that box that you are like not confronting to heal. Um, so primarily what I work through is like, I mean, it can even just happen if it's a stress management tool that you've like applied for yourself. You know, you're stressed. You don't want to feel stressed. You do that instead. Right. So I'm like, okay, let's just, uh, basically I, I will do like a reward system too. So like I will, depending on the athlete, if, especially I ask the athlete, their love language, if they like gifts, like, okay, cool. Let's try five days, five days of like having the urge and not doing it. And at the same time, here's other stress management tools for you to implement that replaces using food. And at every like, uh, what's it called? Like checkpoint marker, like reward marker, like I give them something because mm -hmm. that's their language. And like posit, you have to positively reinforce yourself in switching your behavior. Otherwise your brain doesn't want to switch. Like it's literally, your brain is like a, it's like a puppy, your subconscious brain. Like it literally needs to be trained and needs to have negative habits replaced with positive ones and then reward re rewarded for doing the new behavior. And, um, because it's a, anything related with food, um, typically with the dopamine release becomes addictive. It takes time to break the cycle. Like it does. It takes time. It takes a very strong why. It takes very strong intentionality in like learning how to value yourself, right? Um, another thing is too, questions I'll ask, like, for any neurodivergent people, like ADHD and binging are very heavily related. Um, wounded feminine energy and binging, very heavily related. Um, so I kind of like, I learned the whole picture and I'm like, ah, I get it now. And then I implement healing practices across the board. Um, not just like an eating disorder plan, but that in conjunction with healing what the root is. Yeah. It's like finding that root cause is like essentially the key to having, you know, overcome this. Like you said, eating disorders aren't going to ever go away. Like you're always going to have like some type of feeling when a trigger comes up, but like you will have these new tools set in stone, but like you have to go back to the very first starting point of like, what is the reason? Like, why is this happening? Like, why is this, you know, what is your, your underlying issue that is like causing you? that's triggering you, that's making you feel this way, right? Because like you said, it doesn't really matter like what your vice is. Like it could be food, it could be alcohol, it could be drugs, it could be whatever is going to give you that that dopamine release. I mean, granted food is just- It really could be online shopping. It can right. literally be anything, right? So like for you and your work and how you help athletes, it's just like remarkable because it's not just like, okay, here's our eating disorder plan. We're just going to focus on, you know, maybe not tracking or maybe not doing this or, or only eating these certain foods or allowing yourself a free meal. Like you do the deep dive work and that's where the healing starts. And that's why you've seen so much success with athletes and within, you know, the bulletproof mindset industry right now and like making the change for, um, you know, bodybuilding and mental health. Because like you said, like, this is one of the biggest gaps that there is out there. And then just, uh, you know, the demand of the sport, um, like really exposes a lot of these things for people or, you know, brings them to the surface because you really cannot be better in the sport unless you deal with these things. You, you yep. know, our, our sport is really based on, on a lot of stress, right. And this is our mental stress point. So, you know, having you in this industry, I think is, is extremely beneficial. I'm glad that you're bringing on, you know, two assistant coaches. Um, and I really, Crazy. really, 
I know, but it's awesome. It's a good thing, right? And I really can't wait to see like what you have out there to start helping like the other coaches, like just, you know, health and fitness coaches, not just, you know, the psychologist part of it, but like other coaches and helping them, you know, help their athletes, you know, become the very best that they can, because without this piece, like you can only go so far in my opinion. Yep. Well, any, any coaching, right. You're dealing with humans. And I think like in fitness or bodybuilding, any sport, right. To under, to, to be the best coach for the athlete. If you don't know the athlete and you don't know their psychology and you don't know what makes them tick, you don't know what their fears are, their trauma is, you don't know their love language, you don't know their personality type, you don't know like their history, right? You might accidentally be the trigger as the coach, you know, like unintentionally. And I think it's just about like understanding that coaching is such a human, like athletes are humans at the end of the day. And you are, it's a human centered I mean, it's work. That's what you're doing. And to be coaches really should, right. They're creating the protocols, but what they're doing is pulling the potential out of the human Mm -hmm. in this specific category of bodybuilding. Right. Um, But to do that, like it takes like, sure. There's no one size fits all protocol per athlete, but there also can't be one size fits all coaching style per athlete. Like, sure, have your, have your, what's it called? Um, your vibe, right? As a coach, like not every athlete will fit with every coach, but for the athletes that do vibe with you, even amongst your roster, you'll have to utilize different things per athlete because no athlete has the same anything, you know? Mm-hmm. Um, but I think another thing too is just recognizing and, Currently, I haven't had very much time to make content, but that will change (laughs) with like having some help. Um, But like not being quiet about it, you know, Um, majority of athletes who either currently are struggling with like disordered eating or even body dysmorphia or a full blown like binge eating disorder or bulimia or anorexia, whatever you want to call it. Um, or whichever one, like they're so ashamed and 99% of them think like they're alone or the only one or that they're the worst athlete ever and don't deserve a spot in this industry because of that. Um, But like to really relay that, no, they're not the only one. And it's like half my roster at least. And the majority of inquiries, especially right now, um, like I have a spot on the HubSpot application form that's like, are you struggling with disordered eating or a full-blown eating disorder or body dysmorphia? And I'm like looking through, I'll get them coming in. It's like, yes, 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 yes. And I'm like, oh, it's reversing season. <laughs> like, you know, and um, yeah, it's pretty cool. Um, and the other thing too is like, I've been there, mm-hmm. you know? So for me to be able to be like, I know exactly what that feels like, like, and I know how out of control you feel. Like, I know it's like a sleepwalking type trance and you just like look back 20 minutes later, like, what the fuck did I just do to my kitchen? Like, I I know that feeling and that helps them a lot too. I think for like the majority of everything, like it's being able to 
understand, like, and empathize and relate. Mm-hmm. That's what I've seen, like, all the success mm-hmm. I have because I literally have been through it too. Um, yeah. Yeah. This was good. Yeah. No, literally, thank you so much for coming on. Like, we've been wanting to have you on for a really long time and you provide such a, a needed presence in the sport of bodybuilding, but also just the world as well. Because, yes, you're working with bodybuilders and coaches, but again, like, you know, there are some coaches that don't just work with bodybuilders and lifestyle athletes are just as susceptible to body dysmorphia, anorexia, binge eating disorder. So not only are you establishing and being a pinnacle of representation of this like new idea of sports psychology and bodybuilding, but you're also just penetrating other areas of life. And for you to come on and also like be vulnerable and share your own experience, Ash, for you to be vulnerable and share your own experience. Like, I really appreciate you ladies because it really helps people not to feel isolated because obviously it's a thing up here where our brain tells us you are the only one that's broken when we, we know that's not true, right? We know that this is very prevalent, very common, but we don't know that we're not alone until other people are brave enough to share their stories. So ladies, thank you. You're welcome. And I would add to that too, like, um, in doing that one, like, I, the way I view what I do is like, it's a domino effect, right? So like every person that I touch, athlete that I touch, coach that I touch, like gets to touch someone else and someone else. So even if I'm not directly working with a different athlete, like, I don't know, somewhere else, they're gonna eventually feel my impact somehow in some way. Um, But also like, you're not alone, but it takes a community and it takes a support system for, Um, if you don't have safety within yourself yet, um, it's hard to build that without having someone showing you what safety is, you know, um, and that comes with like being authentic and being vulnerable and sharing and, and allowing them to feel safe to also do that. So pretty cool. Pretty cool. And remembering too, at the end of the day, as bodybuilders or anyone who's like tracking macros or meal plan or whatever, we're already different than the rest of the world. And like, we're a very unique group of people. Um, So yeah. Yeah. Well, thank you so much for coming on. Um, It's been, yeah, like Ash said, like definitely a pleasure. Um, Something that we really wanted to bring you on with and you just sharing your knowledge. So we can put this podcast out there and and like you said, eventually, you know, continue to help more and more people and have that, that ripple effect. So thank you again. Thank you to all our listeners and um, we will see you guys or we'll talk to you guys next week. Peace. (laughs) (laughs) Thank you all.